Treehouse products are crafted to bring you the best that legal, delivered-to-your-door THC has to offer. Treehouse utilizes unique blends of carefully selected minor cannabinoids that get you lit in ways you've only ever dreamed of. From Delta 8 vape pens with innovative blends of Delta 9 and THCP, to the tastiest HHC-infused syrups and hemp flower pre-rolls on the planet, Treehouse has got you covered. Ready to delight in dank gummies and puff-powerful vapes? Head over to treehouse.com. That's T-R-E-H-O-U-S-E.com. There's only one E, not two, in treehouse.com. When you go there, get 30% off your order and a free Acapulco Gold HHC pre-roll. You can use the coupon code GENIUS. That's G-E-N-I-U-S. This offer expires August 31st, 2023. Grab your goodies and meet us for some fun in the treehouse. Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% a real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. I have uh, Rick Kessanier. He's a co-founder and executive board member of Go PHA. And PHA is a chemical name, polyhydroxyalkanoate. I hope I pronounced that properly. Uh, there's a global organization for it it's called Go PHA. It comprises a coalition of over 60 stakeholders. They include the material producers themselves, uh, brand owners, academia, waste management organizations, uh, innovative material startups, environmental foundations, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So we're going to talk about uh, Rick's role in this organization and what PHA is. Welcome, Rick. Thank you. Thank you for having me, and I'm excited to be here. Well, great. Well, tell me a bit about your background, and then let's talk about GoPHA. Yeah, thank you. So, as you mentioned, my name is uh, Rick. I have a background in industrial product design. I studied at uh, Delft University of Technology in uh, the Netherlands, Europe. Um, For over 10 years, I've been working in innovation in the plastics business. I've worked with many applications in, in a lot of different segments, from automotive to packaging to consumer products and electronics. Nowadays, you you find plastics everywhere. And in my time as a product designer and open innovator, I've run into almost all the plastics that you can imagine from very high performance materials to really the commodity plastics like PP, PE, PET. And in that process, yeah, I also uh, came in touch, of course, with um, bio-based materials uh, and the classical bioplastics, as they were coined. And once I got into touch with PHA, polyhydroxyalkanoids, I really fell in love and really believe in uh, the fact that this is the future of the way we can use materials in a safe way and with keeping the performance of plastics, but yeah, really offering a much better solution for the planet. And so that's how I came into touch with three fellow persons. Uh, and in 2018, we decided to to set up the nonprofit GoPHA, which actually is an abbreviation for the global organization for PHA. Yeah. So, um, in oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So, what is PHA? You know, how is it used? Let's get into the material itself a little bit. 
you know, again, what are its uses and where does it come from? Yeah, so PHA has been around longer than mankind, okay? So this is, um, PHA is in fact a macromolecular product, which is present in nature, actually all around us. Most bacteria use the product, the polymer PHA, as a form to store carbon for later use. The way we humans uh, have fat reserves, so we overeat, we store fats, and we use it when we are in a position of starvation. The same way, actually, most bacteria use different types of PHA polymers to actually store carbon. And you can actually harvest different bacteria from all over the world, from different areas. So, for example, if you have a palm tree plantation, you will find bacteria that can consume oils and greases that are coming from from palm trees. If you have marine habitats like uh, seashores, you will find bacteria that can consume sugars or or types of sugars that are derived from seaweeds. And even here in Amsterdam, in the Amsterdam canals, you will have bacteria that can actually convert uh, methane or biogas into, uh, into PHA. So Actually, the discovery of PHA has been very early already. I think it was late late 1800s, where one of the Dutch scientists, Weyering, he actually discovered PHA, and also the period after they managed to extract the PHA from the bacterial cell. Now, you can imagine that, you know, the, the route toward isolation identification of these natural polymers is difficult and time-consuming process. So over the last decades, there have been multiple academic and industrial processes and efforts into identifying the whole family of PHAs because PHA is not just one product. Actually, there's many different bacteria that make it. And also depending on the specific type of feedstock that they can consume, they would create a slightly different type of PHA polymer, which in some would also have different performance. And this is really where the biotechnology comes into touch with material science. And that makes it also quite challenging. And it has been quite challenging to really scale up PHA until just a few years ago, where actually we really see a fast uptake in the possibilities. So it looks like today, really all the academic efforts uh, from the past decades and all the industrial efforts to effectively and efficiently make PHAs uh, and also the understanding of how the polymers behave in, you know, industrial plastics processing like injection molding, fiber spinning, etc. Um, this is now all coming together and we see a really rapid uptake in the possibilities of making PHA and PHA products and also the commercial capability and capacity that are coming online now to actually make PHA at commercial scale. Well, what are some of the material properties of it that that are unique to it and favorable? So it's a bit of a technical story, but basically you have PHAs that are short in their polymer structure and you have PHAs that have side chains, medium and longer chains that would comprise the polymer backbone. And depending on how long these side chains are and also how they are structured along the backbone of the polymer and also the content of how many of these side chains are in that polymer, you will have completely different performance. To give you an example, there is a PHA type, which is called PHBH, polyhydroxybutyrate hexanoate. The hexanoate is a comonomer, and depending on how much of that 
common or content you have, the more different uh, properties that you can have. So the higher that co-monomer content is, the more ductile, the more flexible this product becomes, and also the more amorphous, the let's say, the, the bioplastic also behaves. So what we have seen, and that's also why all these decades of academic and industrial work, you know, have been there and that lead up to the, this culmination point is that, you know, the most available products in nature, the most, let's say, the most simple version of PHA is called actually PHB, olighydroxybutyrate. And I know that it's quite confusing with all these different uh, abbreviations. And, but the sum is, you know, PHA is just a family name. PHB is one of the most common commercial products from the family and is also one of the simpler molecules. This product is, and for the listeners, you cannot see this, but I'm showing a pen that I'm holding in my hand. This product is actually made with one of those uh, PHA materials. So, well, what is it? So, is it? It's particularly biodegradable, more so than other plastics, or, or why is it? You know, why was it studied, and is it taking a larger role in plastic today because it has desirable characteristics and it's easily biodegradable? I mean, what's its inside story? Treehouse live rosin liquid diamond vape pens combine the impressive taste and potency of live rosin extract with the power of liquid THC diamonds to bring you an unrivaled buzz and mouth-watering flavor profile. If you like getting lit, head over to treehouse.com. That's T-R-E-H-O-U-S-E.com. One E, not two. When you go there, take your vape game up to new heights. Enjoy 30% off your order and get a free Acapulco Gold HHC pre-roll when you use coupon code GENIUS. Again, that's G-E-N-I-U-S. Hurry because the offer expires August 31st, 2023. Treehouse, the best that legal, delivered to your door, THC has to offer. So the fact that actually nature provides us material that are inherently compatible with nature is, of course, a beautiful thing. I think in the sustainability transition, everybody sees cellulose-based products, basically paper and cardboard, as inherently sustainable because we can see trees growing around us. We can see agricultural products growing around us and we know it's safe and we would love to use these products, right? Um, and the same holds for PHA. PHA is present in nature. If it enters nature, it's also recognized by enzymes and bacteria and they can break down the product. So PHA, the proposition, touches many of the really concerning points that today we are dealing with that... First, the problems with persistent plastics, as we call them, basically fossil and, and plastics that remain in nature for many hundred years, has become so visible. Yeah, we all know the images that we have seen all, all over that really brands are really pulling hard to get new solutions onto the market. And of course, also regulations are really driving these innovations very rapidly as well. And PHA basically touches upon a lot of the key points that are required today. First, it is a naturally occurring product, which makes it suitable to consider for medical applications. But also, we know indeed that it's not persistent in nature. PHA end of life is very diverse. You know, it behaves like a plastic, so you can recycle it. But it also behaves like a biopolyester, so you can actually chemically recycle it into monomers. But also, you can organically recycle it back to CO2, water, and humus. And PHA does so in the right environments. Yeah, you, of course, you need fungi and, and bacterial uh, activity for, for doing so. Uh, but PHA does that at extremely high rates, very comparable to cellulose and paper products. And this is really unique about PHA compared to 
other products like PLA, uh, PBAT, etc. And and lastly, PHA is also a great product to close the loop with waste streams and plant-based or bio-based feedstocks. Like I mentioned, these bacteria can really consume a lot of different feedstocks. So that means that from vegetable oils to used cooking oils to all sorts of different types of sugars, but also organic waste-derived volatile fatty acids, for example, can all be used as feedstocks to create high-value PHA products. And, and this, this really makes it a very interesting product to start utilizing industrial waste streams, uh, municipal solid waste streams, even wastewaters are being used at the moment to make uh, PHA. And the very last point is that, of course, you know, we, we didn't even scratch the surface with respect to the potential microplastics issue. And PHA is a proven product ready in existing regulations and, and considered not to be creating persistent microplastics. And of course, this is also a very important point going forward. So again, is PHA more biodegradable than PET or other plastics? Is it a lot more biodegradable? You know, when it's out there in the environment, is it also contributing to microplastics contamination? You know, what's what's unique about it out there alongside all the other plastics? Yeah, so uh, indeed, you're, you're completely right. So of course, PET is a, is a persistent plastic. It will take a few hundred years before it starts uh, even fragment, fragmenting. So you have a whole range of biodegradable materials and PHA scores among the best of these uh, materials in terms of the speed of biodegradation and also in environments of biodegradation. So some of the materials that we know, for example, PLA, polylactic acid. This is actually a product which is not occurring in nature and actually only compost in industrial composting facilities, okay? While PHA is is a product that can be home composted, it can also work in industrial uh, composting facilities, but also it is proven to be biodegradable in marine uh, soil and uh, sweet water conditions. And actually, we are running a test uh, at the moment uh, with the Royal Netherlands Institute for Ocean- Oceanographic Research in exactly testing the biodegradation speeds compared to, to cellulose in water, actual seawater from, from the North Sea. So will, will a PHA take the place of any of the traditional plastics that may be problematic? Or is it just another tool in the arsenal of plastics you know, that can be used? So we, we believe that in our transition to more sustainable use of materials, we we need all forms of circularity, right? We cannot just create new solutions while the tab is still wide and open. Yeah? So especially for proven products that are high volume, for sure we still need products like the, the classical plastics in this transition period, and we have to close those loops. So recycling, uh, reuse, all these efforts are, are really necessary. But what we see with PHA is that PHA can offer the same or similar functionality, the same or similar circularity, but at the same time offer a microplastics-free and a natural solution that is competitive to the persistent solutions that we know today. And of course, we're talking about a product which is really in its early growth stage. So, you know, together we we create and we consume a tremendous amount of, of plastics. So this is not something that in a few years uh, the PHA industry can, of course, compete with. But we are very optimistic. We see a great drive in, in technological capability and also a great drive in scaling up the in- industrial capacity. Uh, and this is really necessary, but of course, it will take years, if not decades, uh, before we can compete with the volumes of the classical and plastics industry. So what what role will uh, PHA products have in the plastics industry? 
where they seem to be going and springing into use? What's the unique niche for it? So I, I believe that uh, PHA can really be a bulk material in the future. Yeah, But at the same time today, of course, we have very limited industrial capacity. And this is, of course, something that also is, is changing rapidly. So what you see is that people are looking for those applications where at the moment PHA can create most impact. Okay, So you see efforts in films, in paper coatings, in products that inherently end up in nature. For example, the uh, intentionally added microplastics or coatings, paints and coatings but also agricultural applications. For example, uh, silage and uh, mulch films are, are products. And also, of course, food packaging, where there's a lot of you know, applications where actually no one will today or even in a few years from now recycle some sort of products, even if they would be recyclable. Consider a confectionery uh, wrapper, right? From some sort of a snacks bar or something like this. These products are very light, very fugitive, as they call it. So if there's a bit of wind or, you know, uh, some ill-disciplined uh, customers, these products will very quickly end up in nature. And if they are collected, they will never be recycled because the economics will never play out for these uh, types of uh, applications. So therefore, in that case, inherently, you would benefit with these sort of uh, compostable and biodegradable uh, applications, as well as for applications where you have a lot of uh, contamination effects. You can imagine, you know, condiment sachets or single-serve pouches of uh, cosmetics. Um, these are all products or even food serviceware. These are all products where you have high levels of contamination, um, which really, you know, hampers the recyclability of these products. And you also see that in, you know, recently there has been a lot of technological advancement in fibers, in non-wovens, for example, for hygiene products, and even in tissue engineering products for uh, in-the-body or wound care products, uh, we see PHA applications uh, arising. So PHA is really a niche material in disguise, I would say. At the moment, there's so little material available that everybody considered, considers is a niche material, but at the same time, it can really target bulk and commodity applications where today still a lot of the fossil plastics are being used. Um, I didn't ask you much about GoPHA, you know, the global organization for it, but what are some of the tenets of the foundation of the organization? Yeah, GoPHA is a special platform. GoPHA is not a traditional industry association or a research institute. Rather, we are a platform with like-minded organizations academic organizations, industrial organizations, brands, converters, waste management organizations that all see the benefit and value of PHA and would like to drive that forward. And to drive that forward really requires a very high degree of collaboration. Collaboration in communication, how to reach out to consumers and how to actually spread the message of the benefits of PHA, but also communication with and to policymakers. For example, GoPHA is an accredited organization at the UN Treaty for Plastics uh, at the moment, uh, where recently uh, the event was held in uh, in Paris. And and there we really need to bring alternative to alternatives to fossil plastics into the light of, of policymakers. And also in, in the United States, of course, uh, there's a lot, a lot of regulatory pressure against uh, traditional plastics. And we have to be very careful with these regulations that... You know, with all the good intentions of, you know, providing bans and regulations against plastics, that in that process, we do not harm actually available 
an effective alternative such as PHA, but also other materials and solutions that always are jeopardized in these kind of broad stroke policies and, and, and bans and regulations. So that's, that's very important. And then lastly, as the industry develops, we also need a high degree of, of collaboration on application developments and we call it community data. So for example, doing biodegradation studies, doing compostability studies, doing studies on to see if actually uh, indeed PHA can be sorted next to other plastics in, in, a, in a MRF. If uh, PHA actually uh, does not do harm if it's ingested in uh, animals, and indeed it doesn't. So all these sort of studies, uh, of course, we, we can do at GoPHA, which benefits the whole industry. Okay, very good. Where can people find out more about PHA and its uses and uh, find out about the GoPHA uh, Foundation as well? So we have a, a website that's very well visited all around the world. It's called uh, www.gopha.org. This is our website where a lot of our publications are being found, a lot of industry news is being found, um, and also, of course, on our LinkedIn channel, we publish really the latest information on certifications, on regulations, but also um, key innovations. And something else really exciting, I think, is the PHA World Congress. This year, uh, the third edition of the PHA World Congress will take place in Atlanta, Georgia on October 10th and 11th. It's a two-day congress where really the best of uh, of PHA players come together and share information and present information. It's open to uh, to anybody that would like to, uh, to visit um, and really have top speakers that will contribute to the program. So you can find more information uh, on that on pha-world-congress.com. Well, very good. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, and I was happy to be here. Remember, before you go, you've got to check out treehouse.com. That's T-R-E, only one E, T-R-E-H-O-U-S-E dot com. They offer an array of premium legal THC products, including gummies, vapes, pre-rolls, and more. And they're all delivered right to your doorstep. With unique blends of carefully selected cannabinoids, all rigorously lab-tested to ensure quality and consistency, Treehouse products give you the buzz you simply can't get anywhere else. Head over to treehouse.com. That's T-R-E-H-O-U-S-E.com. Remember, there's one E, not two. And enjoy 30% off your order and get Acapulco Gold HHC pre-rolls when you use the coupon code GENIUS at checkout. Hurry because the offer expires August 31st, 2023. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.